Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Daily Gospel Exegesis Podcast. Once again, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to share some feedback that's come in about the ministry, so you can see how uh, this ministry is impacting people. And particularly, lots of this feedback has come in from people who listen via the Hello app. So if you haven't yet heard about the Hello app, it's well worth checking out. It's an app that has a whole lot of Catholic audio presented in a really great format. Um, It's basically one big collection of Catholic audio, meditations, prayers, reflections, all that sort of thing. And thanks so much to the Hello app for including daily gospel exegesis on there. So firstly, some feedback that's come in from Precious. She says... How do you do it? How do you go so deep and make sense of scripture? I really wish I had these explanations while I was doing my own Bible study. As I continue my spiritual journey, these in-depth explanations are welcomed and appreciated. So Precious is actually from Trinidad and Tobago, and it's amazing for me to see how far this ministry is spreading. So thank you for that, Precious. Jacqueline has said, for several months now, I've added daily exegesis to my evening devotional routine. I can't overstate how this has added to my faith life. I've joined the Patreon page and supporting as much as I can afford at this time. I pray for your ministry and very thankful to you. You give understanding and depth to the daily gospel readings, and I especially appreciate how you connect back to the Old Testament texts. Thank you. Please know that your ministry is making a huge difference for this Catholic, for whom the sacred scriptures have often been a mystery. Thank you so much for those kind and profound words, Jacqueline. I'm so glad that this ministry is helping you understand the scriptures. That's kind of what the point of it is, to help Catholics really get a grasp on the literal sense of scripture. And Jacqueline mentioned something that a few people often mention in feedback, which is they appreciate the links to the Old Testament. That's not uh, something that I... Uh, deliberately set out to do is to have all these different links to the Old Testament, but I do include it where it's relevant. And I think a lot of people are really benefiting from seeing how the Old Testament was something that Jesus and his followers would have known very well. They would have known it better than us. And so often there's things in the Gospels that the early church would have picked up on that we sometimes miss. There's some feedback that's come in from Gabrielle, and she's actually an author. She says, I'm delighted by your exegesis. Before I heard you, I had always shunned away from exegesis because it seemed to arouse doubt and weaken my faith. Your podcast deepens my faith by rooting the Gospels within the biblical context with all these amazing cross-connections and the historical background. It draws me closer to Jesus. Thank you very much indeed. So thank you so much for that, Gabrielle. And Gabrielle mentioned something that I certainly found to be true Uh, in my early stages of learning theology and learning scripture, which is there's so much progressive scholarship out there. And it does get to the point where as soon as you hear the word exegesis, you assume that it's going to be quite a deconstructing kind of thing by people, scholars who don't actually believe the Catholic faith and have quite a skeptical approach to scripture. But as I'm sure you as the listeners know, that's not a true exegesis. A true exegesis is one that really gets at what the literal sense of scripture was. What did the author intend? keeping in mind that the text is inspired by God. So if this podcast uh, can help people see what a true exegesis is, that is fantastic. Some feedback here from Susan. She says, I love this podcast. I'm learning so much. I like how you put the passage into context, the connections with the Old Testament, the history and the Jewish tradition that play into the meaning of the gospel. It also gives a glimpse into what Jesus' life would have been like on a day-to-day basis. 
It never ceases to amaze me how wonderfully God's plan fits together in all the details and all the levels. I discovered your daily exegesis on Hallow, which I also love, about a month ago. So, Susan, thank you so much for your feedback, and it, I agree with you. It amazes me how God's plan fits together in all, all the little details, and all the, sometimes the connections are there, and we just need to seek them out. And when we see them, we see how wonderful God's providence is in um, getting Scripture to come together. Some reviews that have come in via Apple Podcasts. This exegesis is so helpful. It gives the background interpretation that I've been looking for in understanding the Bible and themes and background of the times explained in depth, enough that I don't lose sight when my mind wanders, as it often does. As much as I love the Bible in a Year podcast, often things are explained a bit too fast for me or don't give enough context. Your daily exegesis is exactly what I've been looking for. So thank you so much for that uh, from the reviewer Banana450. And yeah, certainly what we're trying to do in this podcast is to give you a really slow verse-by-verse approach to scripture. So just looking at the Gospels. And many people have said that it's been a great compliment to the Bible in a Year podcast. Someone else has left a review saying, listening to the daily exegesis is one of the highlights of my day. And then Mummy Dr. Jen on Apple Podcasts has written, I look forward to listening every day to the thorough and engaging line-by-line explanation of the daily readings. It is an absolute must for anyone who wants to delve deeper into understanding what Jesus meant and what the gospel writers were trying to convey, especially for us modern listeners who don't always understand the context of first century Israel. So thank you so much for those who have left positive reviews on uh, the Apple Podcast platform. Please consider doing that if you haven't already done so. Those reviews on Apple Podcasts really do make a difference to um, the analytics and the way that it gets presented to people. It's a considerable factor in getting the podcast presented to more people. Uh, Another bit of feedback that's coming from Lisa. I found your study through Formed. I love it. I've been looking for this type of study my entire adult life. Thank you so much. I'm learning a lot as I'm new to this. I just had so much trouble trying to learn on my own. I thoroughly enjoy your program. So thank you so much for that feedback, Lisa. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I agree with you that there needs to be more of this sort of stuff available to adult Catholics. There's lots of great uh, catechesis resources for children, but I think that going deeper into scripture for adults is something we need to work on more, which is what this podcast is trying to contribute to. Donna on Patreon says, I love your podcast. I stumbled across it on Spotify and I learn so much each day that I listen. Marie says, your Bible study is my favorite on Hallow. I'm a Patreon subscriber too. God is using your daily ministry. The cross references are so easy to understand. I forwarded the podcast to a list of others so that they can get to know Jesus better. I always learn something new. So thank you so much for that, Marie, for those kind words and for forwarding the podcast on to others. I'd encourage each of you to do the same. If there's other people in your life who you think would benefit from hearing an exegesis of scripture, a verse-by-verse exegesis, please consider sharing this podcast with them. Jen on Patreon says, I'm another follower from Hello. I adore this podcast. It helps me so much to understand the scriptures better and is part of my daily routine. Thank you. Another review from Apple Podcasts. How have I never come across this podcast? And this is from Mr. Literature. It's an outstanding and academic and accessible podcast with great content. So few people start with the literal sense, which is foundational to all four of the senses. 
Spiritual has three other senses. This is not a fundamentalist podcast, but rather an erudite and well-researched walk through the Gospels. Personally, I have found this to be one of the most helpful sources in biblical theology. Ascension, Word on Fire, and Ignatius Press are all excellent. Scepter, which is my favorite resource, is also helpful, but this podcast gives free content that is in audio form. I highly recommend it. So thank you so much, Mr. Literature, for that detailed review. And uh, as you've said, a lot of people get scared away by the word literal and they see that as a fundamentalist thing. But as your review has so helpfully pointed out, what we're doing is we're getting at what the original author intended, which is what we should be doing as Catholics. A review here from D. Frayner says, I found you on the Hello app. Whenever I hear a gospel reading that I have questions about, I go to your podcast. You explain the context and the possible meaning so clearly. Thank you. There's many more reviews I could share. We get positive feedback coming in almost every day, which is really amazing to see the reach, reach that this podcast is having. This is a small grassroots ministry, and we're trying to offer something unique, and it's great to see that it really is impacting people, and it's filling a gap uh, where people really want to know the scriptures better, particularly the gospels. Thanks for your support of the ministry. Please consider consider sharing this podcast with others. You as the listeners are the most important factor in helping this uh, podcast and these resources get into more hands. Let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to Logical Bible Study. This is the podcast, which is all about taking an in-depth look of the text of Scripture. So we're doing an exegesis of Scripture, and in particular, we're looking at the Gospel reading that is read at today's Catholic Mass. And today we're going to look at Luke chapter 9, verses 7 to 9. Herod the Tetrarch had heard about all that was being done by Jesus, and he was puzzled, because some, some people were saying that John had risen from the dead. Others that Elijah had reappeared, still others that one of the ancient prophets had come back to life. But Herod said, John, I beheaded him. So who is this I hear such reports about? And he was anxious to see Jesus. So that's the end of our reading today. It's a bit of a lesser known one. Let's start by thinking about the context. So Jesus has been doing healings and miracles all across Galilee, which is sort of the northern agricultural part of Israel. And by now he's got quite a reputation for himself. Verse 7, we're introduced to Herod the Tetrarch. So this is King Herod. He's a Jew, or it's kind of a sort of Jew anyway. Now, this is not the same Herod that ordered the Bethlehem boys to be killed. It's a different King Herod that was around at the time of Jesus' birth. That Herod has died. So this Herod, called Herod the Tetrarch, is one of his sons. So Herod the Great's son, called Herod the Tetrarch, and his proper name is Herod Antipas. He rules over the area of Galilee and Perea. So he's king over the area where Jesus is born. He's not king over uh, Judea and Jerusalem, but he is king over Galilee, where Jesus was born and does both of his ministry. And we know from history that Herod Antipas reigned from 4 BC until AD 39. So that's all of Jesus' life, basically. He is king of the Galilee area. And he heard, that, he heard about all that was being done by Jesus. 
So he hears about Jesus and his apostles' ministry because he's king of Galilee and Jesus' name is spreading pretty quickly across Galilee. And Luke says he was puzzled. We know from the other Gospels that the reason that he's puzzled is because Jesus has these miraculous powers. Remember, Herod is a Jew, so he believes in miracles. He believes God can send prophets who can do miracles, but he's trying to work out exactly how Jesus fits in. And that makes sense because Herod is the king of the Jews, and apparently there's this amazing Jewish miracle worker in his territory, so it makes sense that he wants to know about it. And he's puzzled because some people were saying that John had risen from the dead. So this is John the Baptist. So apparently some people at this point in Jesus' ministry are saying it's John the Baptist risen from the dead. Now, last time John the Baptist was mentioned in Luke, he was in prison. So that's chapter 3, verse 20. John the Baptist is in prison. So we know that by this point in our passage today, John the Baptist has been killed by Herod. Now, we don't get the detailed description of how John the Baptist is killed in Luke's gospel, but in Mark and Matthew, particularly Mark's gospel, if you look at Mark chapter 6, we get a very detailed account of how it came to be that John the Baptist was killed. But all we have here in Luke is a statement that by this point he is killed, and some people think that he's risen from the dead in the person of Jesus. So John the Baptist was known as a mighty spirit-filled prophet, and well, although we know that John the Baptist hadn't performed any miracles, he was certainly known as a man who was full of God and certainly a powerful person who does things on behalf of God. The Jews at the time of Jesus did believe in resurrection. They don't believe in reincarnation, but they did believe in resurrection. So they believe that Jesus, in this case, is really John the Baptist risen again. So it's actually John the Baptist himself who is risen again. It's just that he's going by the name Jesus. Now, that is a bit of a strange belief because most Jews did not believe in individual resurrections. They believed that at the end of time, there will be one great general resurrection, but they didn't believe in individual resurrections, at least on the whole. And that's why a lot of people struggled with this idea that Jesus had been risen from the dead. They didn't believe that immediately because it didn't fit with what their perceptions of how the resurrection works at the time. But here we have at least some Jews who have decided the best explanation for who Jesus is, is that it's John the Baptist resurrected. Verse 8, other people were saying that Elijah had reappeared. So Elijah, of course, is one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, and he does lots of miracles. In fact, there's lots of prophecies in the Old Testament which predict, or at least a few, that predict that Elijah will return one day before the kingdom of God comes. So at the time of Jesus, they were actually expecting Elijah to return. If you look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 23, it talks about how Elijah is going to return. So Elijah was able to work miracles. Now we have this guy, Jesus, who is working miracles. Maybe Jesus is actually Elijah risen from the dead. He's returned. Now we know uh, from other things Jesus says that those prophecies about Elijah's return were actually fulfilled but it wasn't by Jesus, it was by John the Baptist. And then there's another group of people who think that one of the ancient prophets has come back to life or has risen from the dead. So other people think, well, maybe it's not Elijah, but maybe it's one of the other ancient prophets who could perform miracles, maybe Elisha or someone like that. Perhaps some people think he's Moses because there's some Old Testament prophecies which talk about how Moses will return one day, and that's in Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. 
So at this particular point, there's three different options of who people think Jesus is, or at least three. So we have mentioned here that he's Elijah, that he's John the Baptist, or that he's one of the other prophets. Interestingly, those same three options are the ones that Peter gives in this very same chapter later on. Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah or one of the prophets. And of course, that leads into Peter's great confession of faith. So those are the options in verse 9. But Herod said, John, I beheaded him. So who is this that I hear such reports about? So Herod says, well, I've beheaded John. It can't be John. Now, Matthew and Mark's versions make it clear. They tell us a bit more about Herod's thinking here. Herod actually does end up believing that Jesus is John the Baptist, risen from the dead. So it's like he's got this internal conflict. He's trying to convince himself that it can't possibly be John the Baptist because he killed him. But eventually he sort of comes to the belief that it must be John the Baptist. And there's a whole sort of series of things that um, go into that. Because John the Baptist had made quite an impression on Herod during his lifetime. Herod here raises the famous, who is this question? That has been so prominent throughout the early chapters of Luke. What is Jesus' identity? And now Herod asks the same question, who is this person? And then Luke here says he was anxious to see Jesus. Now, some scholars think that uh, the only way Luke could know this is if he has inside information. And it's thought that perhaps one of the women, uh, like perhaps Joanna, who is apparently the wife of Chusa, who is a member of Herod's court, maybe she is the uh, source of the information here about Herod's state of mind. But that's just speculation. So it says he was anxious to see Jesus. He sought to see him. So Herod wants to see Jesus to question him and learn where he got these powers from. Maybe there's an evil intent behind this. Maybe he wants to get rid of Jesus, or maybe he's just curious. Now, many scholars believe that because Jesus has such a close connection with John the Baptist, and he's so saddened by John the Baptist's death, and we know that from the other Gospels, that maybe Jesus deliberately avoids going anywhere near Herod Antipas during his ministry. So Herod Antipas is the king for the entire ministry of Jesus, and yet Jesus never encounters him. And some scholars think that he might be deliberately avoiding going near Herod. For example, Jesus never visits the, si- the cities of Sephorus or Tiberias, as far as we know, and those are Herod's capital cities. Now, he could have easily visited those cities if he wanted to because they are well within his normal ministry territory. But for some reason, it appears that Jesus doesn't go to those cities. And so some scholars think Jesus is deliberately avoiding Herod Antipas. He doesn't want to associate with him because of what he did to John the Baptist. Now, eventually Herod's wish is granted, though. He does get to see Jesus just before his trial Uh, before the crucifixion. So if you look at Luke 23, verses 8 to 12, Jesus has kind of a mini trial before Herod Antipas, and Herod does get to question him, although Jesus doesn't answer any of his questions. So Luke probably includes this account today in order to set up the later meeting between Jesus and Herod. So that's the end of our short passage today. The next passage, the next part of Luke chapter 9, is the feeding of the 5,000. Now, that's not actually read on a weekday. But it is read once every three years. So it's read on the Sunday after Trinity Sunday. And that Sunday is called the Body and Blood of Christ on Year C. So the Feast of the Body and Blood of Christ in Year C is when you'll hear the next part of Luke chapter 9. 
Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something new. And if you have, share the podcast around.